0: upside to your current situation there's an upside you may not have seen it and the chances are that you would have never seen this upside had you not been down welcome to can i get an amen with bishop herson gonzalez the pastor of v the church in Winsocket, rhode island subscribe to can i get an amen at www.canigetanamen.podbean.com Again, that's www.canigetanamen.podbean.com got a brand new episode of can I get an amen I'm so glad that you tuned in today glad you found us there are so many good podcasts out there I'm blessed that you're listening to mine man and I am blessed to be with you one more time God is good I have an interesting question to pose to you today If Jesus himself were to appear to you tonight and say to you, I am going to answer every prayer you made last week, would there be a new person in the kingdom of God tomorrow? I'm wondering who do you have on your prayer list right now? Who are you praying into the kingdom? I want to join with you and I want to pray with you for that individual or that family contact me. I've got a new email for you. It's can I get an amen at gmail.com. I've got a group of intercessors that are waiting to hear what they should pray for. So send it in. Let us know. Walter Wink said, history belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. <laughs> I love that. Those of us who pray, we are we are working to see the, the plan and the, the future that God wants to establish on the earth. We help Him do it by asking for it. Charles Spurgeon said, No one can do me a truer kindness in this world than to pray for me. Let's get into our topic today. It's all about intercession and prayer, as if you didn't know. No fuimos... Wishing someone your thoughts and prayers when something tragic happens has now supposedly become meaningless. People have started looking at that phrase as some kind of substitute for actually doing something positive. Now, I won't deny that the happenings of the last few months, even years, maybe the last decade, these senseless shootings are horrific. But people like AOC, Congresswoman alexandria ocasio cortez started speaking out after the horrific mosque shooting in new zealand she tweeted out at first i thought of saying imagine being told your house of faith isn't safe anymore she continues and says but i couldn't say imagine because of charleston because of pittsburgh because of sutherland springs she said, what good are your thoughts and prayers where they can't even keep your own pews safe? The condemnation of thoughts and prayers is not unique to her. Some of the Parkland kids, the school victims, were also down on thoughts and prayers. They viewed the phrase uh, almost a substitute for action. They, they said, we don't need your thoughts and prayers. We want action. The godless generation continues to be emboldened to speak freely and to disrespect the people of faith who mean no harm at all by offering their heartfelt prayers. Chris Pratt happens to be a Christian actor and he was attacked by the politically correct crowd because he himself was asking for prayers for the health of a movie director who suffered a heart attack. In a prayer breakfast in Dallas on August 23rd 1984 Ronald Reagan remarked quote without God there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience without God we are mired in the material that flat world that tells us only what the senses perceive without God there is a coursing of the society and without God Democracy will not and cannot long endure. For if we forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. End quote. You might look down your nose at people offering their thoughts and prayers now because that's not your kid hanging on to dear life after some cowardly act by some really sick people. It's not your family member. It's not your parents, not your uncle. So you can sit back and say, oh, we don't need your prayers. We need action from the government. And I agree. I think that we have to put aside the, the party partisan lines and, and get something done, meaningful here. But to say we don't need prayers as if prayer didn't avail much, as if God wasn't listening and God doesn't hear the righteous cry of his people. It's foolish, it's senseless, and it's spoken by people that their own lives are not on the line. I bet you, you would change your tune, AOC, if it was your life that was on the line and the doctors were saying that there's nothing more that they could do. I bet you, you would welcome prayers and thoughts of prayers. I would argue that praying, speaking to God about this generation and crying out to Him is the best thing we could do. Yes, let's march. Yes, let's vote. Yes, let's organize. Yes, let's do more to save the lives of innocent people. But prayer isn't some feckless useless activity that people who are powerless do no 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 prayer is the activity it's the thing that those that know where the real power lies that's where we go to find answers to find solutions and to ask God to have mercy on this country that we all love prayer is the best thing we could do We are starting a brand new series called The Upside of Down. Uh, I thought that would be a, an interesting topic for us to sort of dive into. And uh, it's kind of the reason why we're talking about some of the things that we're talking about today. Uh, I happen to believe that when you are down, it allows you a perspective that being up just does not give you. So join me now at the Altar of Vida Church. As we start the new series, the series is called The Upside of Down. The first sermon is called Victory Through Surrender. No one likes being down. But if you're going to be down, you might as well find the upside to being down. You might as well find what God is doing in your lowest moments. In your pain in your sorrow in your in in the tragedy that has brought you down you might as well look for and find that thing that God is doing there is an upside to your current situation there's an upside you may not have seen it and the chances are that you would have never seen this upside had you not been down as a matter of fact, I believe that the reason why God allows us to go so low as he allows us to go is that the only place we could find this upside is when we are so low. The guy by the name of Bruce Larson, he tells a story of how he helped people that were struggling in their, their walk with God, struggling to surrender to God. And, and, and today, I want to acknowledge that, that surrendering to God is not an easy thing. Amen. And so, so Bruce Larson, he's a pastor in, in Manhattan, in New York. He, um, he, he, would, he lived in New York City. And, and when he would be counseling some people that were having a, a hard time with that yes or no decision. Serve God or not serve God. Uh, uh, give yourself totally to God or, or, or not. Uh, he would often suggest going for a walk. Uh, he would go for a walk from his office down to the RCA building on 5th Avenue in, in New York. And he bring them down there, and in the entrance of the building, uh, there is a gigantic statue of Atlas, right? Atlas is the probably the most beautifully proportionate man standing there with muscles bulging out of his legs, out of his he's got muscles, he's got muscles on his muscles. And 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 the statue of a guy with bulging muscles holding the globe on his head. Have you seen it before? And all of his muscles are 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 just Busting out and And so pastor Bruce brings them over there and and he shows him like look at this Look at this beautiful statue and and this is the most powerfully built man in the world And he can barely stand under the burden of holding his world Holding his world he says and he would say to them now. That's one way to live trying to carry the world on your shoulders Try to carry your own world is going to be a burden On you and then he would walk across the street from 5th Avenue and he'd go to st. Patrick's Cathedral and there behind the altar is a little shrine of a little boy you can go to that next slide and there is a is a picture of baby Jesus this is a young seven or eight year old Jesus and and if you can't see it clearly he's holding the world very easily in one hand he's holding the whole world easily no effort Holding the world in one hand, and he and, and and he would tell the person that was in between. He'd say, "Listen, we all have a choice. We can carry the world on our shoulders, like Atlas, working to hold everything together. It's my responsibility. I'm the man, or or I'm a single mom, and I have to hold the whole world together. And 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 and, and you show your commitment by holding everything together, and you're strong, or." You can go to Jesus and say, will you take my burden? And Jesus says, I got the whole world in my hand. I got the whole wide world in my hand. I got the whole world in my hand. He got the whole world in his hand. He got you, and me, baby, in his Okay. Amen. But that's, that's the truth. we we have a choice to make my dear brothers and sisters we're either gonna try to carry everything ourselves or we're going to surrender to God because surrendering to God is the best way to have a blessed life it's not a commitment to God that God is asking for because when you talk about commitment versus surrendering we really start to see that there's a big difference between the two You'll see here, the first commitment is we can try to carry the whole world in our shoulders. The second one is to say, I give up, Lord. Here's my life. I give it all to you. I think that that's what we're, 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 we're getting to today. In Romans chapter 12, verses, verse one, Paul says, I urge you, I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Amen. God is saying, I'm not asking for a commitment. I want everything. All right. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Somebody say crucified. And no longer live I, but Christ lives in me. That's not commitment. That's surrender. Amen. The picture here is one of surrender. But people don't like that word. People replace surrender with another word, and that word is commitment. Let's make a commitment to God. When someone gives their heart to the Lord, oh, would you like to make a commitment to God? And we are, we are we're leading people the wrong way because, because commitment is different than surrender. But we're teaching people to be committed. But God is saying, no, 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 no. You can be committed to your job, but you surrender to the king. You can be committed to your family, but you surrender to God. Big difference, amen. Those two words are not the same. They are not the same. The the unfortunate thing is that the world, the word commitment, puts too much emphasis on me. The word commitment is a word of self-effort. I am committed. I made a decision to follow jesus i have decided to follow jesus and that's beautiful that's a good thing commitment is good but but let's look at the difference between commitment and surrender when when you when you talk about commitment you say what i want to do for god oh i'm so committed to god oh i'm willing to do and i want to do all this for god that's 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 commitment but surrender is deeper surrender is what god wants to do It's not what I want to do. It's not what I feel in my heart. It's not what I have the talent or ability to do. It's what I know God wants to do. And it may not be what I want to do. It it requires more than commitment. Because if I'm committed, it's because I'm doing something I want to do. But surrender says, I'll do what you ask me to do. What you tell me to do. The difference between commitment and surrender. In commitment... What I, can, what I can or have achieved for God. Oh, I'm so committed to God. Look at what I've done. I invited three people to church today. Look at my commitment. I haven't missed a single Sunday in four weeks. Praise God I'm committed. Surrender is what God wants me to do. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. It's your way or no way. For I am following God. Amen. He leads me. He guides me. He tells me where to go and what not to do. Boy, this sounds like a message that my father could have preached 30 years ago. But it's still true. This still works. Commitment is focused on your diligence. It's it's your work and your effort. Amen. I'm committed. I know people in this church that haven't missed a Sunday for a long time. They're committed. They've made that commitment and they're proud of it. And I'm proud of them too. But something goes deeper. Surrender goes focus on obedience. I didn't just come, but I came to worship. I didn't just show up. I came to serve. I'm not just here to to sport my new clothes. I'm willing to put on a a shirt that's been washed four or five times. But it says dream team on it. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. When you talk about surrender, you're focusing on obedience. And then commitment is self-centered living. I'm committed to the things that I love. I'm committed to the things that I want to do. I'm committed to God because he loves me, because he's good to me. I'm committed. Surrender says, I'm not going to live a self-centered life. I'm going to live a Christ-centered life. Christ at the center. I'm going to let the word tell me what I can and and can't do not should or shouldn't can or can't do amen i'm gonna take it serious i'm gonna take the word of god as the absolute authority commitment says see my sacrifices for god oh i love god so much look at all this stuff i'm doing for and it's and it's genuine i'm not knocking commitment commitment is important but, but when, when you look at what God is asking for, he's asking more than what you're willing to give. Most of us just have a commitment to God. But, but listen, surrender says, I'm not looking at my sacrifices. I'm not looking at what I have to give up. I'm looking only to the cross. I'm looking at his sacrifice for me. And that is whats what, is, is what Feeds my life of service to God. It's not how hard it is for me to serve God, and it ain't about that. It ain't about how many times I got to wake up early to go pray on a Saturday. That's commitment. But God wants something deeper. He wants you to look at the cross, and, I, and He wants to forget you. Forget about your sacrifice. Only focus on the fo- the, the sacrifice of the cross. Amen. Somebody. See, the weakness of the word commitment is that we are in control still. If I'm committed, I still control. Anybody hearing me this morning? We live a life here in America where the word commitment has replaced the word surrender because we like to be in control. We decide how much to give. We decide how much. Man, God is saying, no, man, that's not the way this works. It's about surrender. The rest of my time this morning, I want to focus on, on, a, on a passage of scripture. I really believe that this is one of the most important passages in the life of a disciple. The Bible says that we should go throughout the world not making believers, not making Christians, but making what? Amen. The goal here is that each and every one of you in this room would consider themselves or himself or herself a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. We should consider ourselves disciples Pupils, students, more than that, slaves, servants of the living God. When he had called his the people to himself, the people are not disciples. When he called the people, these are people that were listening to him. When he called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny, right? Underscore that word, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me now i want us to, to 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 look at how scary this verse is when you read it the first time it doesn't it sounds it sounds harmless but really when you start to look into this it gets more serious if you want to follow me if you want to if you want to be after me, if you want to chase after me, if you want to get to know me, if you want to love me, then you have to start by denying yourself. There's two you's. There's the one that is in control and the one that wants to follow God. And so long as you keep that first you alive, that one that's in control, the one that's aside, the one that makes who decides what he's going to commit, you're not going to follow Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching today. Amen. You've got to be... It, willing to deny yourself you let that new self arise that new self over the old self amen the me that says whatever god wants not the me that says whatever's convenient amen and take up his cross now let's look at what the cross really entails and 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 i wanna i wanna i wanna just give you four things that the cross really stands for the cross means opposition really it's a legal term it's a death sentence and basically the the, the law had opposed you in such a way that you were going that you were sentenced to death the cross is a death penalty i want you to carry the instrument that kills you everywhere you go okay i, I so the first thing the cross means is opposition the second thing the cross means is shame. There was no more shameful way to die than hanging on a cross. Most men stood there naked. Standing there hanging on crosses naked. People would come laugh and throw things at you. You were, you were, you were considered less than nothing. You carried shame. And obviously the cross meant suffering. These nails would go through your hands and through your feet. It was pure suffering if you were sentenced to 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 hang on a cross it was because you were de- you were uh, 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 you were hated you, you were despised and they wanted you to suffer and ultimately ultimately they they wanted you to die on that cross amen so so the cross represents opposition shame suffering and death so let's see it this way so If you want to come after me, number one, you have to let the old self die, let the new self arise, and take up opposition, shame, suffering, and death, and then you can follow me. This is serious. No wonder it takes surrender to follow God. Because committed people won't do this. This is beyond our, our, our ability to handle. Jesus gave four motivations in order for us to do that one, that, that thing to take a cross and follow him, he gave us four motivators that come right after that these are, because what he's requiring is horrific because what he's requiring is death to self and, and, and because it's so hard, because it's so hard he really had to make a strong case as to why anybody would so he gives us four motivators first motivator for whoever desires to save his life now now how, what would you say save your life being well well if if to lose your life it's 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 all this other stuff if, if to lose your life is opposition shame suffering and death to save your life is the opposite the opposite is acceptance glory or honor comfort or safety amen so so whoever desires to save his life whoever says you know what acceptance is more important than Jesus glory is more important than Jesus comfort is more important than Jesus safety is more important than Jesus whoever's not willing to do that if you're trying to hold on to all those things you're going to lose it all that's what Jesus said whoever loses his life which is self-denial which is carrying the cross which is accepting opposition shame all those things whoever's willing to do that for my sake and for the gospel will save their life forever jesus is trying to give us the formula to be able to get into heaven right here this is it i don't care how many times you came up to do the sinner's prayer this is the formula to get into heaven anybody hearing me today you've got to be willing to reject the old and accept the life that God wants to give you you have to operate in surrender not just commitment I know this is a hard word hang in there with me we're gonna get through it together this is hard the second thing he says is for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world if he gains what acceptance if he gains glory and honor if he gains comfort money safety If you gain all of that, what does it profit a man if he gains the world, but loses his own soul? That's a question that Jesus says. A question without an answer requires the reader to find the answer. And sometimes by turning the question into a statement, you find the answer. Here's the statement. There is no profit in gaining the world. Which is acceptance, glory, comfort, and safety. There is no profit at the cost of giving up your soul. Worldly possessions aren't as important as your soul. Your agenda is not as important as your soul. Jesus Himself, this isn't this isn't Paul or one of the apostles. This is Jesus Christ. Teaching us if you want to get to heaven, you have to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. You have to say no to all the lures of the world and accept a life where I'm in control of your life. Because the the, the real point is you can't buy your soul out of hell. You can you can accumulate. All the money in the world and chase after all the things that this life has to offer. But if you never come to the place of surrender and never are willing to give it up huh, to chase God and to chase Jesus and to stand up for the gospel, you're going to be sitting somewhere in hell saying, I've got so much money, I had so much pleasure, I had so much sex, I did so much drugs. But I'd give it all away to get out of this place. I wish I could trade it all to follow Jesus. But it'll, it will have been too late. Now is when we decide. Now is when you make that choice. Jesus is saying, you better follow me now because one, one day we all have to come to a cross. We all are going to have to die. Jesus said, There is no profit in gaining your whole world but lose your soul in the end. The third thing he said, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You might think about it now and you leave here and and go have Applebee's and forget what I said here today. But some of you are going to remember this. There is no price I can place on my soul That's why only the blood of Jesus was good enough to purchase and secure my soul and keep me out of damnation in hell. But there is no... Listen, the decisions you need to make to follow Jesus, I'm telling you, they're worth it. The decisions you have to make to live for the gospel, I guarantee you, they are worth it. And they may not be worth it here on earth. Because we're not thinking about earth right now. We're talking about hell and staying out of it. That's what Jesus is saying. I tell you, you can have a real... You can live 80 years and have fun and sin and, and just do all sorts of stuff. But boy, you can't compare 80 years to eternity in hell. It's not worth it. Jesus said, man, nothing can give nothing can be given in return for your soul. Once you're in hell, you're going to be there for eternity. There's no favors you can do. There's no song you can sing. There's no act you can perform that will get you out of hell. Those things we do now. Those are the things that we do now. And the fourth thing he said, he said, For whoever is ashamed for me, wow, whoever is ashamed of me and my words. If you don't want to be identified with me or my words, if you prefer the acceptance of people than telling the truth. This is a tough word today. Because some of us are so afraid of the backlash of being, of the political correct people that we do not speak the truth of Jesus Christ. We're so afraid that we're going to lose friends. Let me tell you, they're not your friends. They're not your friends. They're not really your friends if they're going to leave you just because you stand up for what you believe in. They weren't your friends in the first place. The upside of down is that that Jesus is saying, "I, I, I would prefer that you go a little bit low. I prefer that you surrender. I prefer that you go to the lowest of low and give up your life to me. Because only then can you know paradise, joy, acceptance from God, glory from God, comfort in him, safety and life everlasting. But listen to what the verse says for whoever is ashamed of me and my words so that we prefer thee in this adulterous and sinful generation what are we trying to do? who are we trying to please? an adulterous and a sinful generation instead of pleasing the God that loves you the God that gave you life the God that sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you I want you to hear this If we don't, if we continue to seek comfort and acceptance from this sinful world, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory. Listen to this. You're going to miss out on heaven. God will be ashamed of you. Jesus will be ashamed of you if you're ashamed of him while you're alive. Thanks for listening to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez. You can subscribe to our podcast at www.canigetanamen.podbean.com or wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time.